Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. This has not exactly been the perfect week for Hamilton City Council. Monday, not all of it their fault. Uh, Monday, they had delegation day where people could come and speak to the budget. That had to be adjourned because the crowd that came in decided it was going to scream and yell and hit drums and not let people talk and whatever else. Then the next day, um, one of the councillors had to be told to leave council chambers because he had said something that was not acceptable within the confines of the rules. This was supposed to be the brand new, everything was going to be hunky-dory new council. I guess some things, you know, are a challenge to change altogether. Uh, Brad Clark is the councillor for Ward 9. He was in the uh, chair for uh, both of these situations. He joins us now. Brad, how are you today? I'm doing fine. How about yourself, Scott? I'm doing well. Thank you for doing this because this this seems to be – let's start with what happened Monday first and then we'll get to the second one. Um, you were holding these delegation, allowing people to come and speak and opening the floor for delegates and delegations. And the meeting essentially had to be stopped because the crowd became unruly or was unruly. What do you do in the future? Because the, the, the people who were there have said they intend to keep coming back and keep doing this. Um if this were to become commonplace, it hasn't yet, but if this were to become commonplace, how does the city manage this? Well, I certainly hope that that does not happen. We have encouraged um, any resident in the city of Hamilton who wants to provide comment to the city council uh, with regards to the upcoming budget uh, to come forward. They are provided five minutes uh, to make their presentation, and then councillors can ask questions of clarification. Councillors do not debate the the delegate. They simply ask questions to, let me understand what you're trying to say, that type of, of process. And it was going along quite fine. We had actually hit the halfway mark in the agenda, so we still had about 20-some-odd delegates left who wanted to speak to us on any number of issues, not simply uh, the defund the police uh, issue. Um, There was a protest outside, uh, Scott, and that protest came inside, and they were very quiet. They came in, they took their seats in the gallery, and they were listening intently and watching what was happening. And then at at some point, uh, they started uh, um, heckling uh, rather loudly and banging drums, and uh, it got very loud, and they were demanding that councillors answer their questions, um, and I kept reminding them. I, I, I took my opportunity as a chair to recess the meeting, uh, ask the councillors to leave, our staff to, to leave, um, and the meeting sits in a recess and, until the clerk comes back. Uh, and, but they did not stop, Scott. Uh, it didn't matter what I, I did or said. And for the next hour, I tried to calmly regain control of the meeting, at which point I made the determination it was unlikely that I was going to be able to regain control of the meeting. Uh, so I used my prerogative as the chair to adjourn the meeting uh, without a vote of council. Okay, so first of all, some of the people have said after that that they intend to come back, which could be an issue. I don't know what the rules are 
about holding these meetings with closed doors. Nobody wants that. Uh, at the same time, I don't, you, you can't do any business if people are doing this. I mean, again, how do you balance that? Well, we have protocols that we, we uh, would put in place if that, that happened. Um, we have loudspeakers and television monitors in the lobby so that people can see and hear what's going on. So if we find ourselves in a situation where it's consistent that people are disrupting the meeting, and that's what it was, I understand they were expressing their concerns, but they were literally disrupting the meeting and taking the opportunity away from other people to delegate and taking the opportunity from counselors to ask questions of those delegates. And so we have to maintain order as a government and we'll do everything that we can in a reasonable way to maintain order. One of your colleagues around the council table tweeted out afterwards, last night the public gallery was filled with peaceful protesters who came to collectively share their thoughts on the city's upcoming budget. Is that how you would describe that group? Uh, well, it would depend on how we interpret the term peaceful. Uh, there was no violence. There was no threats of violence. Uh, so from that standpoint, it was a peaceful meeting. Uh, it was loud. It was disrespectful. It certainly disrupted government. And as a council, regardless of our positions on issues, we have to stand united that we cannot allow uh, the seat of municipal, gov municipal government to be disrupted to the point that we cannot function. Well, and another of your colleagues described it, in, and I'm just trying to find the, uh, the exact, uh, was an unacceptable attempt to bully members of city council. What, what do you think about that explanation or that description? Um, I believe that was Councillor Maureen Wilson, and, yes. and I agree with her. Um, it, it was, I mean, the way they were yelling at councillors and demanding that they do what they're told it was an offensive um, protest. The language was very aggressive, consistent with freedom of speech in Canada. But when they started demanding councillors to do certain things, I think that's where Councillor Wilson aptly said it was bullying and that's what was occurring. Okay, so that was Monday. Then yesterday, you're sitting in the chair and you have to ask Councillor Croach to leave because of a dispute over comments that were made. And this goes to much of what the last election was run on. I think a lot of people said we don't want the circus at City Council that a lot of people said was there. Is this a sign that the circus is still in town? That remains to be seen. Um, I... The situation was simply that uh, Councillor Jackson used the terminology everyday taxpayers. Councillor Kretsch took offense to that terminology and described it as similar to Prime Minister Harper's use of the term old stock Canadians, which became known contextually as um, a racist expression. I was aware of that. I indicated that I felt it was unparliamentary. I asked him to withdraw the comments. He declined to do it uh, three or four times. 
at which point I had no choice but to um, eject the, the member from uh, the committee because we do, my job as chair is to maintain decorum and order. I am pleased to say uh, that this morning, Councillor Jackson, Councillor Kretsch, and myself, uh, we met, we discussed these issues, and we were able to resolve our differences uh, and uh, apologized with each other. And then I came into the council meeting, and um, uh, one of the first items of business, I, I shared that with the council, and I also apologized for um, what transpired um, the other night. But I have to wonder, as one of the, you're in the minority now, as one of the returning councillors, and you heard the criticism of the last council, I know you did, how how much is this a concern that this becomes the reputation again in a new council? That everything is, nobody gets along, everybody's fighting, there's snipping at everyone. How, how concerning is that to you to make sure that doesn't happen again? I think it's still early days, Scott, to be quite candid. Um, I know in the past, the council, there was some very entrenched individuals who took offense with each other from time to time. And, and it became what has been classified by many as, as a wee bit of a circus. I think what's happening at the moment is we have two thirds of the council is new. They are learning the procedural rules, they are learning um, how we conduct our meetings and what is expected of them in terms of being respectful, civil, and cordial. Uh, they are learning that there is a code of conduct that governs them. And so uh, while at the moment there, this was one slip in terms of where this council is, I... I can't yet throw in the towel on the council. I have high hopes that this council is going to gel and that they are going to become a council that considers the substantive issues that are before the council and that they are not, um, they do not become personal uh, in their debate and personal with each other in their debate. That's not necessary. We can avoid those personal commentaries. We can most certainly debate the issues without being uh, disrespectful or impugning motives or impugning reputations. That is Brad Clark. He is the councillor for Ward 9, the returning councillor for Ward 9. First time we've had him on, I think, since the election. Uh, glad to have you back. Thanks for doing this. Thank you very much. Have a wonderful evening. That is, uh, as I say, Brad Clark. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Great story on online. CNBC did this. They asked a whole bunch of media insiders what their prediction was for what TV is going to look like in three years, five years, in, like in the legitimately in the short term. Because TV has been, I don't think I'm overstating it, TV has been something that has um, been a, something that all of us can share. I mean, there's very few people that don't have a TV in their house. There's some. But by and large, TV is one of those things that we all turn to, that we all turn on, that we all watch to some degree. Not all the same shows, but it's something that for decades now has brought people together in a, in a way. 
What's it going to look like, though? Because certainly with streaming and with computers and with this and that and the other and YouTube, every, it, things are changing. What will TV look like? Well, there are all kinds of answers. Um, Peter Chernin, the North Road Company CEO, it will continue to be in decline. It will be crappier. Budgets will get cut. More scripted programming will migrate away to streaming. There's, there's one suggestion. Um, the, the flip side, it will continue to exist, says Jeff Zucker, former CNN president. Uh, obviously, it'll have fewer subscribers than it does today. News and sports will keep it alive. And uh, Bella Baharia, Netflix chief content officer. Since I started in this business in 1996, people have always talked about linear TV dying. Definitely the pie will be smaller in three years, but there are so many people who watch linear TV, especially sports and news. It'll be smaller, but not gone. Let me bring in Robert Thompson. He is, uh, we love having Robert Thompson on because he is one of the great voices to talk about this stuff. He is a trustee, a professor of television, radio, and film, and the director of the Blyer Center for Television and Popular Culture, who joins us now. Robert, thanks for doing this. Thank you for having me. You know, when you start to talk to people about any particular topic, you're going to have a wide range. And of course, in this story that spawned this, there is a wide range. What do you think in three years, five years, what is TV going to look like? Yeah, well, a couple of things. Let's let's define what we mean by linear TV or legacy TV. And I guess pretty much we're ta- what we're talking about is when you watch what's on, when it's on, on the old network uh, TV channels that have been around forever, and on a cable box, uh, the cable channels that have a schedule and you watch it when it's on. So that's, I think, what they mean by what's the future of, sure. uh, of this. And, of course, it's already changed in drastic sort of ways. You started out by saying, uh, you know, very few people don't have a TV in their house. Um, most of my students now... When they go home for vacation, there's a TV in the house. But when they go home during the year uh, to their fraternity or sorority house or to their apartment or their dormitory, most of them don't have a TV. They're watching exclusively on their uh, devices, their phones, their laptops, whatever. Um, so already that's changed. And I'm thinking if you'd have asked this question three years ago, think of how much has already changed. If we go back to... November of 2019, so I guess that's, what, three years and three months yep, ago. Yep. Um, Apple Plus started in November of 19, just a little over three years ago. Disney Plus started in November of 2019, just a little over three years ago. And less than three years ago, HBO Max, Discovery Plus, Paramount Plus, Peacock, those are all less than three years uh, old. So <laughs> things have changed a lot. The the old idea that this stuff kind of goes at a... Uh, you know, glacial pace um, is no longer the case. It's happening really quickly. Three years is a long time. Who knows where uh, VR and AI and all that kind of stuff is going to be. But I think most of the answers that you read from that survey uh, are probably not. There were a few people who answered linear TV will be dead in three years. And I don't think that's going to be the case. The people that you just read don't think that's going to be the case. You're still going to be able to watch stuff on television, on the networks and cable. If nothing else, sports is going to keep that alive because uh, linear TV has football locked up uh, in some cases for 11 years. Um, local uh, stuff is still not provided uh, uh, anywhere in the way it is uh, by linear TV. So I don't think this is going away in three years or even in considerably longer than that. But obviously, 
the changes in three years are probably going to be consistent to the changes in the last three, which are really going to be significant. I watch TV in a very different way right now than I did three years ago. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the real ironies of this, and I find this almost hilarious in how ironic it is, streaming really, really took off. How long ago? Seven, eight years ago when everyone was cutting the cord because they were trying to save money on their cable bills. Now you have to buy so many streaming services to get all the shows you want that it's cheaper to be on cable and just watch the shows as they happen. It's it, it's amazing how things go 180 degrees that quickly. Yes, yeah, surprise, surprise. I mean, it's true. Uh, streaming, when, when all you needed was Netflix mm-hmm. and you could get reruns of Friends, uh, which is now on, what, Peacock, and you could get reruns of The Office, which is now on HBO Max or uh, whatever, um, it was cheaper. But you're right. Now those things, uh, those streaming services proliferated even if you just wanted to watch all of the uh shows that were nominated for best comedy or best drama uh for the last emmys i think i counted you'd need six different streaming subscriptions uh-huh. to be able to see just those shows and that's the you know select uh, a few of the best of uh nominees in a couple of categories so you're right uh the cost of tv of watching, if you want to watch, uh, you know, what everybody's talking about, it's kind of like the, uh, well, what's the law of gravity? What goes up must come down. Yeah, it's yeah. the opposite for how much it costs to watch TV. What goes up, prices continues to go up uh, uh, and probably uh, will. I don't see any time in the future that we're going to get some aggregate single place that you can watch this at some great uh, 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 great discount. And that does bring in the, uh, the fact that for for decades, television, you had to spend money on a TV set, and you had to have uh, uh, money enough to pay your electric bill, but the rest of it was free. Pretty much everybody could uh, uh, could afford it. Um, that's not so much the case anymore. There really is a class system, uh, a have-and-have-not thing, uh, being built into this uh, in a way that we didn't see in the old days before cable. Are, are we also in two... In a really divided um, by generation thing here, because I, I mean, you you talk about your students and they don't watch TV; they'll do it all on streaming on their computer. But it seems to me, I don't know what the age would be. Let's say forty five, forty, where there is a huge comfort level in the linear TV as opposed to the streaming. Just turning on the TV and flicking around, there is something comfortable about that. Yeah, I I think that is true. I think that's changing. The old idea that, you know, your grandmother needed to uh, come to you to figure out how to send an email, those days are over. I mean, there are lots and lots of people uh, in their 70s, in their 80s, who are very comfortable with a lot of new technology, but yeah, I think there is still uh, a generational thing. I, uh, uh, you know, watch lots and lots of stuff on streaming. It's my job, of course, but I have maintained my cable package, and I do find it uh, uh, easier. I guess the word would be, as you point out, more comforting to watch a lot of stuff, uh, you know, on the TV set. Uh, well, if you, know, you grew with up the with ability that. to flip through the dials when stuff is on, uh, uh, you know, watching TV the way someone at my age. 63, uh, thinks that God meant TV to be watched. <laughs> yeah, but that's because that's how you grew up. I mean, that's it's like exactly anything right. else. It's, it's how you grew up. So you're familiar. And yeah, the reason, right. I, I mean, a, a younger person would think it's ridiculous. Sure. You, you mean you're waiting till, you know, uh, Turner movie classics puts on this movie when you could simply go and watch it whenever you felt like it, uh, uh, you know, on some other time. And the other big difference of course, was the fact that in the beginning and let's put streaming 
obviously video was streaming uh, long before this, but I kind of put 2013, in fact, February of 2013, so exactly 10 years ago, as sort of the really big moment, because okay. that's when Netflix put out House of Cards, when they came up with this idea, when they started doing original programming, uh, showing the entire season at one time, uh, and all of that. So that streaming in that way with all this original stuff is about, um, is about 10 years old. But for a while, the, one of the differences was when you stream stuff, you had to watch it on this little screen, and it was... Uh, 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 you know, there are buffering problems and all the rest of it. Now that uh, online stuff is fully integrated with the TVs that are in most living rooms, your giant screens and everything, that really took a big, that was one of the big differences. Streaming you did on this little screen that was in your lap and the other you did uh, on the big screen in your in your living room. That, uh, that distinction is no longer because uh, streaming can now talk to a television. Mm. What, when I asked you about the comfort level as well, part of this is that the question that CNBC asked, and I think it's a fair question, was where do you see television in three or five years? If we have an entire generation who grew up with regular television, we'll call it linear television, and is comfortable with that, they're not dying off yet. They've got another 20, 30 years left. I've got to believe there's enough of them that linear television won't go anywhere as long as they still want that television in some form. Yeah, there is a there's an income stream and there is technological inertia. You've got all these stations, you've got all these cable uh, uh, operations, uh, the cables into our houses. Of course, that often uh, is for uh, uh, phone and internet uh, also. So, yeah, I, I don't think in three years we're going to see this go away. And also, we should remember that as much as we talk about what a dinosaur uh, linear TV is. A lot of stuff that plays on streaming, the modern new technology, um, it was stuff that that started on uh, uh, linear t- TV. I, I, did, I talked about Friends in the Office. Until those shows had to leave Netflix, they were Netflix's one and two most watched things on the entire service. Mm. But with all the fancy new original series they had, people watching old network shows, two of them were uh, uh, their number one most watched things before they uh, before they left. Um, and I think that's going to continue. We talked about how old and uh, fusty uh, network TV is. But right this minute, if I if someone came up to me and said, okay, anybody uh, uh, who's made any television, um, uh, you can have their paycheck every week. I think I would take the producer of Big Bang Theory and Two and a Half Men, mm. which if I turn on my cable box right now, is uh, between the two of them, they're probably, probably playing on five different channels and generating wheelbarrows full of cash uh, uh, since we started this conversation. So there is a sense that uh, uh, content from these things often uh, becomes uh, uh, big on, uh, on streaming, uh, uh, and there are big hits on streaming on a uh, uh, network still. Abbott mm. Elementary, even th- in this late date, is getting not only good ratings, but it's getting a lot of uh, uh, awards and nominations and uh, all of that. Yellowstone. Um, does it even uh, have to these. be so that, though? Does, does, does it, it, as, as those clips that you read uh, earlier, it is changing. It's going to be a smaller percentage of viewerships. We're never going to be go back to the day when everybody was watching Walter Cronkite's Kite Say and that's the way it yep. is. 
um, because now there are more 24-hour cable news networks than there are networks uh, back then, or that there were networks uh, back then. So it's all changing and going to continue to change, but uh, I, I think it's going to be a much longer uh, decline. Um, you know, the perfect example uh, comparison to make would be terrestrial radio. How long have people been predicting the death of terrestrial radio um, uh, since the, uh, television uh, in one way, so uh, 70 years or whatever, uh, they've been predicting it. And then with the uh, satellite radio and everything, and you know what? Terrestrial radio is still here, baby. We're talking on it. We're talking on it. And, you know, and when you talk about Big Bang Theory or The Office or any of those huge shows that have done really well, I'm not even – now, you know, someone may correct me. I'm not even entirely sure – it has to be that with the amount of money you pay for syndication. We have a station here in Hamilton, CHCH, and every afternoon from, I think, like noon until 6 when the news starts, they run a series of old, and I use the word again, very comfortable shows, Happy Days and, and Love Boat and uh, Laverne and Shirley and, you know, like this, this dynasty. And I bet you that you could go out there and, and, and I, I'm told, I've not seen the numbers, but I'm told their numbers are really good for these. These are, these are things that people have seen these shows a million times. But once again, they're comfortable and you wouldn't even have to necessarily stay with the biggest name ones. And I was sitting here as we were talking, trying to think of an example. And it's like, you could probably go out there and get the entire series of BJ and the Bear from 1978 or whatever it is. And you know what? It's comfort food and there is go it wouldn't probably cost a lot and you would have people who would say, I'm very happy watching that. I don't need to have Yellowstone. I don't need The Office. I don't need something new. This is kind of nice and keeps me warm and cozy in my home while I'm doing my work, and I like watching this. Yeah, well, you bring up a, a number of important uh, points. First of all, it, it, the, that station must be getting good results on uh, with those shows, or they wouldn't keep playing them. They must be doing better than anything else they think they can put on during that time, uh, or they would replace it with uh, uh, with something else. Um, so that's that's one thing. The other really fascinating thing about this stuff playing on when it's scheduled on linear, linear TV, like that station you were talking about, is that I'm, I'm thinking of a show like The Office. Every now and again when I need to be um, you know, uh, uh, reading my emails and answering you know, stuff and do, doing you know, work, um, I'll turn on the television and I'll have something like that playing in the background. Now, I have the opportunity and the subscription that I could watch any episode of The Office whenever I felt like it at any time. I also have on my shelf from the ye olden days a uh, box set of DVDs of the complete <laughs> yes. series uh, of The Office. Yep. Yet I'm still logging in, and therefore, by being a statistical audience member generating income from whatever station I'm watching The Office on, even though there's no reason for me to do it because I've got all these other things. And I find that fascinating, that some of these linear stations still do very well with programming that is available on streaming and that before that had been available on uh, DVDs. Uh, but there is something about um, uh, 
you know, kind of the presence in a schedule uh, uh, that 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 that's a different uh, experience. It's it's the difference between listening to an oldies radio station, which will continue, which will occasionally bring you back to the world with a weather report or a you know an announcement or whatever, uh, and going on to one of these satellite things, which just plays seventies music straight through ad infinitum. Uh, which gives you the sense that you've kind of gone back to that decade. But there is, after a while, a certain sense of sterility to that. Just before we let you go, because this, uh, this is a great chat, and I, I always appreciate you doing this, but with all this talk and the word, and maybe it's just because I keep bringing it up, but the word comfort seems to be part of this. But even then, what happens if somebody in the NFL, let's say, or some other league decides at some point, you know what, I think we'd be better off just streaming and getting our sports because sports seems to be one of the drivers, sports and news. What if sports decides all of a sudden that regular TV doesn't do it anymore and that we need to go entirely streaming? Is that the death knell then or does it still survive? Well, I mean, football is beginning to make, I mean, sports is making that transition to uh, uh, streaming. It's it's now a mixed uh, uh, mixed service. But if, if somehow at some point, uh, let's, let's say the, the NFL, NFL decided to completely do its dealings um, and making its deals with streaming programming services and completely decided not to uh, uh, have any of their stuff on um, the uh, linear uh, networks. That would be a that, that would be felt in significant kinds of ways. Uh, however, it also costs a lot of money. They're they're paying what uh, some of those deals double over the course of a uh, uh, course of a year. Um, so yeah, once again, I don't think that would mean overnight you'd unplug the uh, uh, the network. Um, but th- they would feel that in significant ways because uh, linear television depends a lot upon st- uh, sports, which many have seen has been the one thing that uh, streaming is not the optimal optimal way to watch it. But we're learning to stream it. It is. Uh, it's a really interesting topic because many people listening right now, I am sure, fall into the category who you know have grown up watching or their kids have grown up because their parents grew up watching. And, you know, the idea that TV might disappear just doesn't seem like it makes a whole lot of sense. Um, some say it will, some say it won't. Robert Thompson, uh, trustee and professor of television, radio, and film from the Blyer Center for Television and Popular Culture. We love having you on. Thanks for taking time today. It was uh, always my pleasure. Thank you. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.